0: Victory Monday to all the members of Bills Mafia, as the Bills defeated the Dolphins 26-11, and now it's time for my Buffalo Blues. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of... My Buffalo Blues on the Scheist Podcast. We're looking today at the Week 8 Halloween game with the Dolphins. The Bills came out of that one 26-11 with the victory. They improved to 5-2 and two on the season. Back tied at the top of the AFC. But it was not the easiest game. Uh, the first time these two teams met, the Bills beat them up 35 nothing so the bar was set pretty high for what i think probably most fans expected to see in this game now don't get me wrong 26 11 is still a dominant win the Bills still covered a massive 14 point spread so at the end of the day nothing really went wrong it was just uh an ugly first half um both teams went into the locker rooms at the half, tied at three. And that's not what we really expected to see from the Bills offense, at least. You know, Miami had been shut out the last time these two teams played, so it wasn't really surprising to see them uh, with only a field goal. But the Bills only mustered a 57-yard field goal, so they didn't really even get into comfortable scoring range at all. I'm sure as many people do, I follow along during the game on Twitter and talk to some other Bills fans, and one of the things that has kind of been brought up time and time again over the season so far is the Bills' quote-unquote inability to run the football and what it does to their offense. And I have written about this at length, I've talked about it on the show, after Last week's, well, after week six's game, um, I did a deep dive on the numbers for the podcast and for the written version, and I was trying to dispel kind of this idea that running the ball is a bad thing, and, you know, that question kind of popped up again here in this week eight game against the Dolphins. Um, I saw from many fans online, including some prominent members of Bills Mafia that are basically just calling to abandon the run game at half. And it's confusing to me because the Bills only ran the ball six times in the first half. Uh so how was it the fault of the run game that they weren't producing any points? Uh I understand that in watching the game you just see maybe an unsuccessful run and like you blame it on the run but that really just wasn't what was happening and that hasn't been what's been happening for the Bills. Like sure their run game wasn't effective but like I said they only gave them six touches and one of those was josh allen's scramble play that resulted in 34 yards um so in terms of just like total successful yardage a lot of that came on the ground um but the only drive in the first half where the Bills scored was the one where they ran the ball more than they threw it you know Granted, Allen's 34-yard scramble was probably the biggest play of the first half, and that was not a designed run, but in the first half, they called 18 pass plays to six run plays, and they punted it three times and turned the ball over on downs once with the pass-dominant play calling. Uh, The split was, I think, 75 to 25% in favor of the pass, and I've argued time and time again with data to back it up that that is not when the Bills play their best football. Um, So when you're throwing the ball 75% of the time and you're starting the majority of your drives with a pass, how is it at all the fault of the run game that you've only put up three points? Why are people calling for the abandonment of the run when... It's very clearly the passing game that isn't working the way it's supposed to be. I mean, all told, Allen went 11 for 17 for 80 yards passing in the first half. Um, So it's not like he was playing poorly. Uh, It's not like the Bills were unable to throw the ball either. Um, But that's not a ton of success. And Josh Allen missed several throws that he's been making fairly consistently this season. Coupled to Emmanuel Sanders, who end up not having a catch all game, uh, his first game without a catch this season, because Josh just missed a couple of those throws. And part of it was just the play design. The kind of plays that they were calling were run-heavy looks, I'm guessing because they had a lot of success running the ground against Miami the first time, and because they had a very pass-heavy approach in the last game, and they lost. So I think they wanted to work on the run game and work out of some of those single back and I formation uh, run designs in order to see like what kind of looks they can get from the defense. I think the problem is the Bills' interior offensive line was not blocking very well at all. So for me, it wasn't about abandoning the run at the half. It's just about getting to the right kind of looks where you can run the football. Uh, And, you know, as much as I'm in favor of balance, as much as I want to see the Bills run the ball more than most people do, right? I don't want the Bills to run more than they throw it. I don't necessarily even want it to be a 50-50 split, as I've said in the past. But from everything I've seen this season when the Bills run the ball less than 30% of the time, it's not good for their offense. So what I want is just for the Bills to get into the right looks. So in talking to some people on Twitter, what I said was spread the offense out, get into shotgun, let Allen see the field, and you can make all your reads off of that. So that's what they did more or less in the second half. And it worked out really nicely. Um, But Oddly enough, or, I mean, in this case for me, not odd, the Bills actually ran the ball more in the second half. So this idea that abandoning the run is what saved them down the stretch is just not true. You know, in the first half, it was a 75-25 split. And then in the second half, the Bills actually doubled their amount of rushing attempts from the first half. And so you ended up with a 68-32 split. And I think as long as that... Rush percentage number is over 30. The Bills are in their sweet spot. I think anywhere between 30 to 40 percent is probably where they're at their best. Probably 35 to 40 percent is where I've seen the most success just looking at the data itself. Um, but let's not kid ourselves, the Bills have shown us time and time again that power football is not their sweet spot, right? We've seen third and one. Rushing attempts, third and short, second and one. Whenever the Bills have to get like a yard, less than two yards to convert a first down in a big spot, and they tell the defense, we're going to come out here and run the ball, they get stuffed almost every time. So I understand watching that and being like, hey, we don't want to do that, right? That's just an easy way to discourage confidence in the run game down the stretch. It gives the defense a lot of confidence when they come out and shutting down on those short yardage situations. And it's, you know, you're telling your offensive line, like, we have faith in you. Go block. Go get a yard. And then they don't. And then you do it again, and they don't. Spreading the defense out and allowing Moss and Singletary to just hit the gap make a move run hard and get those three four yard chunks um it seems to be the way to go it seems to work fairly well for them when they do it this was another game where Singletary was averaging at least four yards a carry but just not getting the carries and I don't know why Moss is being the guy who's favored in the passing game as well maybe he's a better blocker than Singletary um but the the target share was heavily in favor of Singletary. Or sorry, uh, of Moss in this game. And I'll take a look at it just so I don't sound completely foolish here. But yes, Zach Moss had six catches for thirty nine yards, and Singletary had one catch for one yard. So, I mean, everything leading up into this season led me to believe that Singletary is the better pass catcher out of the backfield, and I still think he is, but there's got to be something that the Bills like about Moss in the pass game where he's the guy who's in there, especially in the second half of games, um, getting those snaps and getting those looks. But honestly, to me, it's no surprise that the Bills' percentage of pass plays went up in the second half and so did their success rate on offense even though it doesn't look like it maybe that the run game is beneficial to the Bills offense it definitely is I've given you the numbers time and time again here I don't know what else to say I've hammered my point home on this I'm very confident in the research I've done on this And I've been watching football long enough to know that you can't just come out and throw the ball 50 times a game and expect the defense not to figure it out. So balance. Balance is key. We need some zen. Nonetheless, Buffalo went on to dominate the second half with a little revamped approach. They're running a lot of shotgun, a lot of spread looks. And uh, Colt Beasley had a great game. He had his best game of the season. He had 10 grabs for 110 yards. Didn't score, but converted a lot of third downs. He was the guy on third down moving the chains for the Bills over and over again. Um, And now he's had two really good games in a row, honestly. Um, Over the last two, he's had 17 catches for 198 and a touchdown. And I think we're starting to see the defenses have to pick their poison. You know, you want to limit digs. And it's really been Sanders who's been the killer over, you know, the first six games of the season. Uh, And then with Knox out, you didn't know how the Bills were going to approach their tight end position. Uh, They had Tommy Sweeney in there, but Gabriel Davis got some more looks in this game as well. He caught a touchdown on four catches. And speaking of digs, like you do have to pick your poison, but this guy is still the best receiver on the team. And, you know, he had five catches for 40 yards and a touchdown on seven targets. So it's not the kind of gaudy numbers that he was putting up last season. But if his pace holds, he'll still have 102 catches for 1,200-plus yards and seven touchdowns. So those aren't shabby numbers at all. It's like, sure... There's an extra game in the season, so it's definitely off pace from last year. But, you know, that's a Pro Bowl season. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, So I'm not really worried that, you know, his production is down. I don't even really think it's down that much. He's having good, solid, consistent games. But good defenses, or at least defenses that are prepared, especially ones that have played you already once this season, are going to find a way to try and limit what you do best and the Dolphins actually have a good secondary and you know they came ready to play and I think they saw what happened in the run game the first time around against the Bills and they saw how good their coverage was early in the game so they wanted to stuff the run and play man and they did a lot of that in the first half and they were forcing the ball out of Josh Allen's hands really quickly and the Bills were forced to settle for like really quick short yardage throws that just weren't able to chain a bunch of first downs together and then Allen missed some throws downfield and so I think you know the first half looked worse than it actually was offensively but they figured some things out in the second half and they scored on their final four possessions and you know that's a good sign And in the second half, Josh Allen went 18 of 25. I think he was through for 169 yards in the second half and two touchdowns. And then he ran one in as well. So, you know, it was like completely the Bills that you expected to see in the second half. So at least they were able to go into the locker room. They were able to get their ish together and figure out how to approach defense that was playing them pretty tough so i don't want to be like hey it's all the bills fault it's all the play calling's fault like dable has gone through a lot of loss recently uh in his family and that's not easy and i can understand that maybe you know maybe football is not his biggest priority right now and that's okay um but I don't want to necessarily put it all on his shoulders as well. Uh, This is a team effort. And like I said, in the first half, they were, they were throwing a lot of uh, personnel groupings out there that don't favor the bill style. So it's almost like they were handicapping themselves a little bit and seeing how well they could play playing as a, identity run team and obviously it didn't work uh, they did try that though uh, in a few games during the preseason they came out and they kind of just tried to play power football and there they had success like it, it wasn't uh, completely dominant but you know they're they're messing around playing with uh, some of their backups against some third stringers during the preseason trying this style of offense trying to see You know, when the chips are down, can we line up and just run over the other team if we need to? And so far, at the very highest level of the game, they're not able to do that. But I don't think their line is really built that way. uh, Except for maybe Spencer Brown, who loves to play kind of like downhill run-blocking football. Uh, But this is an offensive line that was built to protect Josh Allen, and that's where they're at their best. So... Lining up shotgun, lining up uh, pistol, or even doing something wildcat. Like, they're much better when they're able to pass block than they are as run blockers. And credit, like I said, to Miami's defense. They showed up ready to go, and Miami did have a very good defense down the stretch last year. They had one of the best defenses down the stretch last year. So I think the talent is there on Miami's side. It's just they haven't really played up to that level this season but clearly when they want to come out and play well they can or at least when they have a lot on the line in a rivalry against the Bills where they got shut out and frankly embarrassed at home in the last one so give credit where credit's due the Dolphins despite their record have given a lot of teams a lot more trouble than they've given the Bills Um, if you look at their games you know, they beat the Patriots, who are now 4-4, and so that's not at all a bad win. Then they did lose to the Bills, 35 nothing, but the Raiders, who were at the top of the AFC, they gave the Raiders a good game. The Colts, who have started to round into shape, the Dolphins gave them some issues. They actually scored early, and I think they had the lead very early in the game against the Buccaneers before eventually getting blown out. And, you know, that one sent them into that, uh, I believe it was the London game against the Jags that they lost. So it's like, that's not a game that they're accustomed to going to the Jags are London's team. And then they came back from a two touchdown deficit against the Falcons last week to take a one point lead very late in that game. And the Falcons just had enough time left on the clock to get into field goal range and kick that field goal. So the Dolphins probably should have more than one win. They have been in one, two, three games. Well, they've had three losses that have been decided by less than, well, by three points or less. So there's three games right there where the Dolphins could have easily won those games. And they could have been a three and four team coming in. Well, one, two, three. Yeah. So they could have been three and four coming in instead of, uh, or they, no, they could have been four and three if they win all those close games that they're in. So the Dolphins are not as bad as their record indicates. And I think they played more like the team that we saw last season in, in this past week against the Bills than we maybe have seen them playing down to their competition against like the Falcons and the Jags. Um, so, you know, be happy. 26-11 is not a bad win. When you see that they're 14-point favorites, I think the knee-jerk... Reaction is that, hey, the Bills are going to smash them. Miami's only got one win. It's not going to be competitive. Uh, But that wasn't the case. And what else? Bills defense. Great bounce back effort from them after a tough one against the Titans where they really couldn't stop Tennessee at all down the stretch. And... My condolences to Derrick Henry. That's a shit injury to lose him for six to ten weeks, and I don't take joy in that. Um, I want the Bills to be the best team by beating the best teams, not by beating teams that are shorthanded or don't have their best players. I want the Bills to beat the best, and like Ric Flair used to say, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. So that's what I want to see from Buffalo. So I do feel bad for Derek Henry because he was on a crazy pace this season. Um and he's just he's one of those guys in the league that he is he's a star despite being mostly a pretty quiet guy. You don't hear a lot about him off the field. He's not a big on field personality, he's doesn't even really celebrate, you know? He's not out here doing a lot of things that these other guys are doing. He just goes out there and puts in the work and he's an absolute monster and he's one of the best players in the league. The NFL is better when he's playing well and uh, it sucks that he got hurt. So, sorry Titans fans. It's going to be a rough sled in there for them for a while, but uh, they got to hold serve. They got to do... What good teams are supposed to do and find a way to win without their without their workhorse so they got their work cut out for them but we'll see what they're made of without him but rest up king henry get better get back and uh hopefully the titans are in a position to lose to the bills in the playoffs so i'll take that uh what i was saying though before i got sidetracked was uh i'm continually impressed by the bills defense even after that game two weeks ago, where they gave up 30 points and just didn't look like themselves, uh, at least not in the second half of that game, uh, they bounced back with a a great performance here. You know, 11 points by their standards is kind of high, but well below uh, average in this league. Uh, well below, I think their own average that they had set at 16 points. So. In two games, the Dolphins have managed to score 11 total points, while the Bills have scored 61 against them. So it's a 50-point differential just in those two games. And we saw Jordan Poyer just continuing to be one of the best safeties in the game. The guy had 10 tackles and came away with his third pick of the season. He led the team in tackles just everywhere. You know, super active, always likes to come... Down into the box and help with the run game. Uh, if you're going to throw slants across the middle of the field, he's going to be hitting on the backside of that completion. And he's a ball hawk. He's just, he's one of those guys that finds a way to make plays. And I wish I had it in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet that if we looked at all the safeties over the last, say, five years since Poyer started his stint in Buffalo, that he would either lead or be among the leaders in turnovers and interceptions especially um but yeah his tackle numbers are a little bit down this year uh it looks like he's probably not on pace for 100 this year it'll be his well it'll it would be his second time on the bills without having 100 tackles but his first season in buffalo he had 95 so we'll just call that a hundred and we'll say this would be his first year where he's not on pace to have a hundred but he just had a 10 tackle game and he could start stringing those together but the play in front of him has been good so he hasn't really had to make those tackles uh Tremaine Edmonds has been playing really well Matt Milano's been playing well and uh the Bills revamped defensive line has just been outstanding so far I mean you got Star Latulele back playing really well, lost a bunch of weight, so he's way quicker than he used to be. And you got Ed Oliver up the middle as well, a D tackle, who's having a really just a breakout year. And what we see from both of those guys is that, like, it's the combination of quickness and power uh, more in the mold of Aaron Donald than Ted Washington, ex Bills. Nose tackle, who is just, you know, a wall, a mountain of a man at like 350, 360 pounds, just huge in the middle. Like it requires a double team just because he's so big. But we've seen the game change. And speed kills. Speed always kills. So we're starting to see what it looks like to have two really fast interior defensive linemen who are both still very strong. And you're starting to see the Bills linebackers playing downhill as a result and getting into the backfield, making tackles for losses, forcing turnovers, forcing pressure on the quarterback. And so even though they only got, I think, two sacks in this Miami game, they still made to a very uncomfortable. It was not a good game for him despite uh, a decent start. He finished with uh, 200 yards and an interception. Uh, I think he ran the touchdown in later. He didn't throw it, Uh, but he went 21 of 39 for only 200 yards. So his efficiency was not particularly good because the Bills' D-line was just getting in there, causing havoc, and Miami wanted to get the ball out of his hands really quick. And he was threading the needle out there on some throws, but that was telling me more so that it's like he's throwing it to really, really tight coverage windows and he's getting away with a couple. There was at least three in the first half where borderline interceptions. Uh, it was like Matt Milano had just like made a little quicker read the other direction and uh, could have jumped back the other way. Poyer and Hyde like dove and just barely missed one. So he, he was playing with fire in the first half because of how good the Bills' secondary is and how good their defensive pressure is. Uh, and he had been coming off playing a couple really good games having uh, come back from injury. So, again, credit to the Dolphins for doing what they were supposed to do. Devonta Parker, you know, had eight catches for 85 yards. I think he had like 50 in the first half, and he was making some big plays. Uh, Parker's a really good receiver He, when he's healthy, at least. And, you know, the Bills figured out what they wanted to do with him moving uh, into the second half, and they really took that away. And even though the Dolphins scored, I think the game was 17-3 at the time they got the touchdown, so the Bills were well in control of the game when the fourth quarter started, and I think it was right at the beginning of the fourth quarter, like a couple minutes in, where the Dolphins ended up getting that touchdown and the two-point conversion. So they got a 2-11, and then the Bills scored again, and it was basically over at that point uh so yeah good job bills dolphins hang in there you guys are having a rough stretch uh they're gonna have to someone's gonna get fired for sure if they don't start winning some games here but i would say the dolphins are probably better than their record indicates uh but it's rough nfl's a rough place to be especially uh when your quarterback situation is not nailed down so We'll see how they do the rest of the way. But moving forward for the Bills, they are in a nice stretch of the season right now. They head to Jacksonville next week uh, as part of a little three-game stint where their current opponents during that window have three wins total. So they will play the Jags. Oh, wait, they might. That might be incorrect. Let me see. They play the Jets, so they have... Four combined wins because the Jets just pulled off a miracle win over the Bengals and helped the Bills with the playoff positioning (laughs) with that win. So thank you, Jets. But Buffalo's going to see you guys in a couple weeks, and uh, we'll see if you're good enough to to win that game. Don't think so. But played better than I thought you would against the Bengals. Bengals uh, they came off a huge win against the Ravens and without Zach Wilson in there for the Jets you know I can see it's possible that the Bengals went in there and just overlooked them you know to think of all the games that were on deck and to see some 14 point favorites out there some 16 point favorites out there and the Bengals were not one of them against the Jets yeah I mean the odds makers knew something was up there and so that's what you call a trap game It's a trap. Uh, Anyway, Bills head to Jacksonville. They take on the Jags. Jags got pummeled by Seattle in the last one, but the Seahawks really needed that game desperately, and they showed up at home. It's a hard place to play, especially for a rookie quarterback who's never been in that environment before. Uh, James Robinson got dinged up in that game. He's, I think, he's day to day or listed as week to week, so he's got a chance to play against the Bills. But uh, Jacksonville may be better off just going power high. Uh, sorry, Carlos Hyde, power football. I don't know who power Hyde is, but if I ever need to come up with a name for a fictional character, that could be a good one. So anyway, Jags got one win. They're hosting the Bills. There's no reason Buffalo shouldn't leave Jacksonville 6-2. and two. Um, That's kind of all there is to it. I don't know what else I have to say this week. I think the performance grade I gave the Bills was a B, just because we got a an A-level performance from the defense, a C-minus, D-plus kind of performance from the offense in the first half, and then an A performance in the second half, so split the difference and call that like a C we go offense C plus defense a we'll mix that into a B maybe a B plus performance I mean they still did cover 14 point spread which is not easy to do in the NFL so just shy of an A level performance but a good win nonetheless made some adjustments at halftime figured out what they needed to do in the moment to get the W and I appreciate that that goes a long way it's going to go a long way in some critical games down the stretch because after the Bills complete this little uh, extended tour of the NFL's basement they will get the Colts who they're not bad they make catastrophic mistakes but I wouldn't describe them as a bad team and then the Saints who just beat the Bucs with their backup quarterback with some shady calls, but nonetheless, Saints got that W with Trevor Simeon starting. Or not starting, but Trevor Simeon playing after Jameis Winston went down with a bad injury. And then after that, you get the Patriots, who improved to four and four with an impressive win over the Chargers. And curious if my uh, online friends that are Chargers fans who were anointing Justin Herbert as the best quarterback in football want to reel that in a little bit uh, after the last couple weeks Uh, he didn't play great I didn't get to see all of the game Um, I didn't get to see most of that game to be honest but I saw enough where I wasn't convinced that he's the best quarterback in the league I wasn't then at the beginning of the season. I'm not now. He's a good player, though. Good young quarterback. He's got a bright future. I love the arm talent that Justin Herbert has. I'm getting way sidetracked. But after that Patriots game, it's the big one. It's Bills-Buccaneers in Tampa. So that's really what the Bills need to be working towards. That's the point I was trying to make. I found it, everybody. These next stretch of one, two, three, four, five games, the Bills really need to be working towards peaking for that game in Tampa because that's the defending Super Bowl champs. It's on the road. It's a potential Super Bowl preview, and it's against the much-loathed Tom Brady So there's a lot on the line in that game. Even though it's just a regular season game, there's a lot of demons they can exercise all at once if they are able to win that game on the road in Tampa. And then the schedule after that's not too bad. So I think that is realistically the pinnacle of the season is going to be that Bucks game. And after that, it's going to be just about uh, positioning and home field advantage but when they play the Bucks, both teams are going to have plenty of season behind them. They're going to know who they are. And that's a game where we're going to find out what both of those teams are made of. Especially if they're both healthy, which I would prefer because, like I said earlier, I don't want the Bills to go in there and, like, be accidental, you know, winners. I don't want them to win, like, maybe the rams won against the bucks earlier in the season like yeah it's a big win but the bucks secondary just basically was non-existent in that game everybody got hurt uh i mean a win's a win but i would prefer the bills get the win because they're the better team not because they're just the healthier team at the time so it starts next week with the jags go bills go win that one get the 6 and 2 control your destiny just Keep getting better every week. Keep letting the defense uh, set the tone for you. And uh, the pressure is not going to be on the offense if the defense keeps playing that way. But use this time wisely to figure out all those offensive, I don't know, idiosyncrasies is probably not the right word. But I'm just going to leave it there for now. Figure out what you want your offensive identity to be. 100% by the time that uh, Bucks game rolls around so anyway if you made it this far thanks for listening take care everybody I will talk to you uh, after the next one cool go Bills thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode if you enjoyed it please help me out by liking subscribing sharing wherever you get your podcasts this show is an extension of thescheist.com if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can contact me at infotheshice.com. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills!